Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us for a call from the foxhole. My name is Jason Searle, and I have the honor of being chairman of Capon's Men. We're a men's faith formation ministry that has its origins here in the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas, but it's grown all over the world. Uh, we strive to emulate serving the God, Father Emil Capon, the most highly decorated U.S. Army chaplain in the United States Army history. Uh, his virtues that he embodied and lived into with his men during the Korean War uh, that led to uh, his eventual death in a prisoner war camp in Pyeongchang, North Korea, especially his virtue of accompaniment is, is something that we strive to do. His faith in the Lord, his belief in the goodness of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord, and the joy that the Lord offers all of us is a tremendous example for all of us men. Um, we're just coming on the backside of Memorial Day here, um, and it's it's really important for us to honor all those who have served us, served our nation, and Father Emil Capon gave his life and paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, um, and so for that, we're very, very thankful. Um, so for, for him and for all the men and women who have served us and our nation, uh, we want to give honor. We want to offer up our prayers and, and lift them up, especially this week. Um, we're, we're really honored today to have a fantastic young priest, Father Nathan March from Portland, Maine, join us for a conversation with Joe Ferris. Uh, Father Nathan has got a, a great background, uh, a vocation director. Uh, we're all super thankful for all the priests that these guys helped to uh, uh, to scratch that itch that some of these guys feel and, and to help them discern their call um, to the priesthood. And, and without their tireless work, uh, uh, you know, we, we'd really be up against it here. So we're thankful for the work of all the vocations directors, and, and maybe he'll tell us a little bit about some of that work that he has done in the past. Uh, he's a well-sought-after speaker, and we're super honored to have him here join us this morning. So um, we're going to turn it over to Joe right now and Father Nathan uh, to begin with a prayer, and then we'll have a conversation here. And again, welcome, Father Nathan. Thank you very much, Jason, and, and good morning, friends. It is always an honor to, to have some time on a Wednesday morning, or if you're listening to the podcast at a, at a later time, to just have some time with you and to introduce you to, to folks who are, who are calling us to, to live a, a deeper, more, uh, more fulfilling life, especially uh, through, the, through the intercession of Father Capon. So I'm going to start with a prayer, and I just want to ask you if you're clearly if you're not driving, if you're just sitting at home, just take a second and just uh, just kind of be still in the moment that you're in. Come, Holy Spirit, Jesus, we love you and we thank you for all the blessings you've given to us, Lord. We pray for those today that are alone, that are frightened, that are anxious, and God, I just pray for this conversation with my good friend Father Nathan, um, that you will. Um, Draw what you need to draw out of it and allow us to be completely transparent, vulnerable, and honest. Um, all these things we ask through the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, thank you very much for being here and thank you very much for putting aside a little time to be encouraged. Welcome to the foxhole. I'm, I'm going to introduce you in a second to my friend, Father Nathan, but I do want to give a little bit of a a more of a little in, more of an intro than even Jason just gave you. Father Nathan is all the things he said. Great speaker, vocations director from Portland, Maine. 
but I think there's some interesting part of him that probably most people wouldn't know. First time I met Father Nathan, I was at a summer camp in Georgia, and we've talked about it since, Father Nathan and I. In moments where things are kind of crazy around you, in this case, we were at a rough, rustic summer camp. Uh, all kinds of things were falling apart around us. That's really where you meet uh, the real person. Anybody can fake it when things are going smooth, but it's in these, these tough moments that really you see a person's character and you kind of see a person for who they are. So I'm going to jump right in this with Father Nathan uh, because we talked about it last night. I'm just going to say, Father Nathan, based on what we've been through for the last eight weeks, how, how would our character as, as uh, men who are trying to follow Jesus, how, how would this help define us going forward? Yeah, um I think as we were talking uh, the other day, Joe, I, I think for me, the, I, I have this sense that we like to think that we will, uh, like in the moment, and especially in a moment of challenge, that we will will rise to the to the occasion. Um, and, and I just think more. I mean, I look at my own life, and I, I just okay, I'm about to turn 45, and I don't have a long history of rising to the occasion. Like I just, uh, I'm not. I like to think that I'm more virtuous than I, than I really am. I mean, the reality is, is that oftentimes the situations have this way of just kind of revealing sort of who we really are, um, you know, warts and all. It, you know, it tends to reveal kind of where we need to put some work. Um, I, recently I heard somebody say something to the effect of, you know, that um, it's not so much that we, we rise to the occasion as we, we rise to the, to the level of our, our training, uh, again, for me, it's it's the the moments or the occasions kind of reveal who we who we truly are. And so I was thinking about that that experience at Hiawassee, which is the first time that that I, I met you, and uh, just being invited to to work with Life Team summer camps, and and the camps are a big deal, and and it's sort of like a who's who in terms of like youth ministry in the United States. I mean, they get the best speakers and they get the best priests and they try to try to basically create the best experience for these campers. Um, and, and they're, they're really, really good at it. Um, and the, the first year that I was invited to do it, I, I didn't really know anything about what I was getting myself into. And the, basically I was assigned to Hiawassee, which was like this first time that they were trying to expand this camp. And, and it was just everything was that could possibly go wrong was like going wrong. And, and I think that first week it just rained the entire time. It was just like just raining all the time. And, and I, I think I only packed like, you know, in terms of priest attire, like two, two uh, clerical outfits, like two pairs of slacks. And like the first day it was like I had gone through both pairs of pants. I was just drenched. And, and I don't even think we had a washer or dryer or anything. So it was like day one, I'm like, I don't have enough clothes to make it through the week. This is going to be awful. And so the whole week was just damp and wet and constant raining. And a lot of our events were in this, uh, like, hall, which is on one side of the camp. And then the, like, the mess hall, the cafeteria thing was, like, on the other half of the camp. And for me, like, one of the, the most profound experiences I think I had of the week it was probably sometime in the middle of the week or towards the end of the week, and we were celebrating Mass, and we had gone down to the, that, that hall on one side of the camp, and it was with all the kids. I don't know how many kids there were, probably like something like a couple hundred kids. And uh, it had been raining all week, and everybody's like muddy and wet and damp, and, 
and it was this one chance where like the, the the sky had kind of cleared a little bit and it was it was sort of not raining for the first time in a long time and so we go inside and it was just humid and there was no air conditioning and uh we're, we celebrated mass and, and that whole week the the readings were following elijah and it was that that, that sequence of, of readings about um, the the drought and and Elijah the prophet and 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 him praying for the return of the the rain and for several years you know people have been without water and people are, are dying and, and then he has this conflict with the the prophets of Baal and in this one scene like at that mass we talked about how he built up this you know wood pile and then he had the prophets of Baal just cover the wood with with water and they're just dumping water and water and water on top of this thing and then it's it's flooding and it's overflowing with water it's just saturated with water and then Elijah you know prays to God and this flame comes down and just consumes the the wood and dries up all the all of the water um it's just such a powerful image, and so we, we, we talked about that. We celebrated Mass, and as soon as like Mass was was over, the, like the concluding prayer, the sky just opened up, and it was the worst rain that we had had all week. I mean, it was just coming down, and and the realization was like, okay, now we have to leave. We have to leave this building, which is you know semi dry, but at least it's a roof over our head. And then we got to walk all the way across camp to to the dining commons. And and I'm just thinking to myself, oh, this is awful. It just couldn't get any worse. And then all the kids started walking out of the building, and they were all singing. And they were just like walking up to the to the dining commons, like 300 kids in just torrential downpour. And that they're they're all singing at the top of their lungs, just filled with with joy, and and I just remember like looking at them and thinking to myself, that's that's exactly what we just heard in the reading. I mean, that's Elijah. This is the wood that that has been consumed. I mean, it's drenched, and yet these kids they're on fire with the Lord, and and it just. It really struck me, you know, one, their witness, and, and so often that's the case of, of young people, to be a witness in, in these awful situations of, of, of something, you know, positive or joy or, or something. But here it was, it was, it was the, the witness of the way that, that God, you know, when we allow him into our life, into these moments, that he can transform, like, a really miserable experience or a bad experience, he can transform that, he can use that, he can pull something, something good out of it, he can use it to, to reveal his own glory, and so again, I, I think we have these situations, these moments in our life where um, the moment, it's not so much that we rise to the occasion or, or that we rise to the moment, as the moment kind of reveals sort of who we are, who we truly are. But at the same time, it becomes like a moment also where we have the potential because of who we are in terms of our relationship with God. It has an opportunity to reveal, you know, who God is. Um, and and that's, that's a powerful uh, that's a powerful thing. And I think, you know, when we look at the life of uh, Father Capon, you know, I'm certainly not an, an expert on him, but I've been moved by the, the stories that I have heard. But, you know, here you have this sort of extreme example. You have this, this man who, under the, the worst of circumstances, you know, just allowed the, the light of God to, to shine. And, and, it, and I, I think sometimes we look at that, that extreme example and say, okay, well, you know, he really rose to the occasion. But I, I think rather it was like that, that, that moment, you know, being a prisoner of war just revealed the type of man that he, he always was. I mean, that is like who he was. That's who he got up like every day. That's the type of man he was. And we didn't really see it until that kind of moment. 
You know, and so Jesus said no one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And we see that in the life of, of Father Capon. And we only really grasp that in that, in that moment of, of crisis. Now, I, that is, man, I'm going to have to think about that all day long, Father Capon. Uh, I almost said Father Capon, Father Nathan, <laughs> because each moment to reveal who you are, in some sense, like that's, that's real intentional depth to the human experience. And I was thinking about you, and part of the reason I wanted you on this call was not just because uh, we spent a great week in Hiawassee or because I've, I've been up to Maine and visited the, the, and seen the great work you're doing, but your conversion reminds me so much of just what you've just said, but also of what we say a lot in Cape and Men, which is these ordinary moments um, where God does extraordinary things. Would you just share a little bit of that? With, the, with with our crowd, with our audience, um, of how yeah, you um, came to know the Lord and then eventually found your vocation. Yeah, uh, so I grew I grew up. My mom was uh, Catholic, and my my dad was was not. Um, and so, like I think a lot of people my age and, and perhaps younger, you know, my parents sort of tried to, um, you know, not force me into any particular religious mold, which kind of de facto meant that I had no real religion. Um, so we had kind of gone. I mean, I would go to maybe Christmas Mass once a year or maybe Christmas and Easter, and, but we were not really a practicing family. We didn't really, you know, we didn't pray together. You know, we didn't really talk much about religion uh, at home, uh, even though it was sort of in the, in the, in the periphery a little bit. Um, so by the time I got to high school, um, I was always kind of a book, book smart, uh, liked math and science and, an awful lot. I was really into computers before that was, before anybody really was, knew what computers were. And um, I really excelled in that, but I also kind of had this side of me that liked the humanities, the arts, and so for whatever reason, I mean, uh, by the time I was like a sophomore, junior in high school, I mean, I really was like a self-professed atheist, except that I didn't even think of myself really as an atheist. I thought of myself as a, as a secular humanist, which is kind of a bizarre thing for a high school student to, to think or identify with, but I, I really loved like Enlightenment, Renaissance, and this kind of notion of man being the measure of all things, and there's no problem that we can't fix if we just kind of put our minds to it, and we've got the right, you know, resources, the right technology, and the funding, or whatever, so, you know, just this kind of optimism about things, but the, but the reality was, was that I, in, in the midst of all of that, I was, I was actually quite miserable, um, and so my teen years were, were just really tough. I mean, I was kind of lonely and, and just really had a lot of anger, like a lot of hurt from, you know, experiences. And so I was just kind of miserable. Um, but in, in, that, in that moment, in that, that time period of my life, um, I had a high school chemistry teacher that uh, I just had a lot of respect for. I mean, the man, I mean, obviously, he's a chemistry teacher, so he's, he's very bright. And, and so I had a respect for him in terms of his learning. Um, but he was just a really good man. Uh, you know, he not only excelled in his, his area of expertise, but he, he also, like, he was, a, he was a great teacher. He respected his students. You, you got a real sense that he respected you. Uh, he listened to you. He didn't talk down to you. He, had, he shared his, his love for chemistry with you. Um, and even more than that, he, he, uh, you know, sometimes he would, he would share stories about his, his family. And so it was clear that you know, he was a family man. He loved his wife. He loved his kids. That, that was a big part of his life. And so even, even as a teacher, you know, who he was as, as, a, as a father, as a husband, like that was part of how he was a teacher. And so just as a student, you, you couldn't help but respect this man. 
and um, and especially since I was kind of into math and science, it was even even more so. Um, and then at one point uh, in one of my classes, we were in a mythology class, and we were having different teachers or, or staff members were coming in, and they were talking about their their the various religions and, and mythologies. And so we had somebody come in who was a Buddhist, and somebody who came in who talked about um, you know being uh, Jewish, and then. Uh, my chemistry teacher came in to talk about being Catholic and, and his Catholic faith. And it really, it just, it, it struck me in that moment. It just became very clear to me that the reason that he was the man that he was, was because of his Catholic faith. And in that moment, I, I didn't really want to hear that. I didn't really want to, to accept that. I, I really rejected the, the notion that the reason that, you know, the foundation of this respect that I have for this man is really his faith. That, that he, it was his faith that allowed him to be the, the father, the husband, the, the, the teacher that I, I respected. And so I, I, I just started throwing every, every crazy excuse I could throw at the guy. I mean, I was like, well, what about the Crusades, man? Or, you know, the church, just the patriarchy or something like this. It's all this nonsense. And I just like, I really just beat him up. And at the end of the, the kind of uh, conversation in class, he says, I don't know, Nathan. He says, I don't know what to tell you. He says, you know, when I was uh, in college, I read this book, uh, it made a big difference in my life called The Seven Story Mountain by Thomas Merton. And, uh, and that was it. And I, I went home that night, and this was before Amazon, before you could order a book and have it next day. Uh, so I did an interlibrary loan, I, like I went down to the library and I got the book, but you know, another library had to mail it to us. Uh, and so I, I got the book. By the time I got through the book, I was, I was Catholic. I mean, I had this moment reading the book where, um, like, I clearly did not believe in God. And then, like, a second later, I did. And it wasn't, it wasn't like my own doing. And, and that really freaked me out because, it, you know, it wasn't like I, I weighed the pros and cons of believing or not believing. It was just one moment I, I didn't believe and, and the next minute I, I did. Um, and, and that just, just kind of rocked my world. From that moment on, I mean, I've always, I just believe, I've believed in God. And, and from that moment, I just have had this sense of like, okay, there really is a God and I've got to live, I've got to live for him, like in a truly definitive way. And, and that's what I want. That's what I want in my life is, is to be completely devoted to, to God. And um, so that kind of really began my, my voca vocational journey, too. But I, I, think, I think for me what's, what was really profound about this whole experience was that, you know, my high school chemistry teacher, I mean, I, I don't think in his mind, I mean, he, he wasn't, like, trying to convert me. He wasn't doing apologetics. You know, it wasn't evangelization, you know, intentionally. I mean, I don't even think he had it in his mind that one day I, I would be, let, like, let alone a priest, right? I mean, he just, he was just a good man. And he was just living his faith, and he was trying to be, you know, a good child of God, a good husband, a, a good father. He was working hard. He was just, you know, trying to be a good man and a good teacher. Um, and God used that. God used that to save my soul. Um, and so I think sometimes we, we, we don't realize, uh, you know, the potential that we have in, in the lives of, of the people we, we encounter, um, and just how important it is, you know, that, that God can reveal his, himself, you know, through the most, you know, seemingly mundane or, or ordinary type experiences and, and moments. And that, well, Nathan, that is powerful. I, I can honestly say I, I don't, um, wasn't much of a chemistry person, so um, 
I'm, I'm proud to hear that that uh, worked out for you, and it's beautiful to hear. But but I also, I, I can, this idea of a good man and the presence of a good man just coming alongside and accompanying people, and so many people on this call are good men. And I think that's one of the areas where I think even the last eight weeks, but moving forward, is we, we've kind of put ourselves in a position where so much around us is out of control. And I know you've had a rough couple weeks as well, um, just with your, I know you personally, so I know it's been a, a bit of a rough run. How, how would you speak to the good men on this call when we enter these spaces we're in right now where we don't have any control over much of anything, even going to work or not going to work or how we you know, approach different parts of our lives? Um, how, how would you speak into that and how would you challenge us as good men yeah. During these times. So I think, you know, for me, uh, this past year has been one of uh, tremendous growth. I mean, I've, uh, I've sort of been joking. I mean, like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm about, about to turn 45. So I've been kind of going through this whole midlife thing for, for several years. Um, you know, kind of like, you know, where am I in my life? Where am I going? You know, and all this kind of nonsense. Um, but this last year has had a lot of growth. And, and a lot of that growth came from, honestly, from, you know, initiated by experience with you, Joe. So earlier, like in like August of last year, you were doing a retreat in North Carolina and you needed a priest to give you a hand. And so uh, you invited me down there. And, um, and, and, and again, it wasn't something that you were intentionally doing. You weren't trying to get me to do anything. You weren't, you know, you were just doing your thing. And just me seeing you do what you were doing kind of inspired me to kind of, you know, try doing something similar myself. And so there was a, a program that, that I found out about. It was basically um, kind of like one of the – there's a bunch of these right now, sort of a, a moral uh, fortitude or moral, uh, uh, mor- uh, moral toughness, mental toughness type program. You know, it's just like basically five things, learning self-discipline. Um, you know, so keeping a diet, you know, trying to drink a gallon of water a day, trying to get exercise, doing exercise every single day, but it's making this commitment to a couple of simple things, but then doing it for, for many days, um, and without break and no excuses. And, and it was really, really interesting for me to do all of that and to go through the program. I mean, it was really effective. I mean, I lost about 65 pounds, which for me was huge. Um, and like I'm much healthier now, but, but the, the real benefit for me was just the growing awareness of, you know, my mental process and how so often I'm making excuses, um, and, you know, just, you know, challenging myself to, to, um, to grow in that way. And, and, and I think for, for me, it's like, this is kind of like a secular program, but for me, like as a, as a Christian and, and as a priest, like I'm very much aware of our tradition of, you know, asceticism and, you know, words that we don't really use much today, like mortification and, and all of this is kind of like, this is the kind of the backbone of, of our Catholic spirituality. Um, you know, the sense of, you know, Joe, you always talk about, you know, man fully alive, you know, that, that quote from John 10, 10, you know, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And, and, you know, what is this abundant life that God is calling us to? Well, he's, you know, the, you know we're, we're basically, as creatures, we're kind of like animals, but to be a man means to be created in the image and likeness of God. So we have intellect and will. We have choices about how we 
how we live our life and, and the actions that we we choose. You know, we're not like animals that are just completely reactive to to our environment. I mean, we have and we have options. We we can we can be aware of ourselves and the situations, and we can choose actions that are accord are in accord with our, our virtues. And that's what really makes us human. That's what makes us like fully fully alive. And we see the the, the highest example of that in in the person of Jesus. You know, God made man. You know, fully alive, the most alive person ever, nailed to a cross. You know, and it was his choice, you know, because he loved us. And so, like, this whole process for me has been this one of, of real growth. Um, and then, you know, coming into Lent, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Uh, I'm going to really kick it up a notch, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And, you know, so Ash Wednesday, you know, came out, came out of the you know, gates, you know, blazing. And then the day after Ash Wednesday, uh, Thursday of Ash Wednesday, I had to take my mom into the uh, emergency room because uh, she had a collapsed lung. And uh, in the emergency room with her uh, through the whole day, and it kind of ended with us finding out that she had uh, terminal lung cancer. And so I was, you know, just kind of, wow. <laughs> you know, I thought I was giving up chocolate for Lent. And, and here I am, like, you know, I'm, I'm giving up my mom. And, uh, you know, wow. Uh, and then, like, the next week, COVID hit, and, like, my, you know, I can't have public mass. And for, like, the last several weeks, I've been, like, basically running a virtual parish. You know, I sort of was joking tongue-in-cheek, like, you know, two weeks before, as, as the diocese were, were just kind of uh, consumed with this question of, like, how are we going to have you know, communion services in the absence of a priest. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, we're, we're, we're celebrating mass without people. And I'm like, can you, can you remember, you know, we were just talking about, you know, not having enough priests and we never in a million years would have thought we wouldn't have any people. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Um, and so my Lent was just really the, like, I, you know, it was like the lentiest of all Lents. Um, just everything just kind of spiraling out of control. And if, if that had happened to me like several years ago, I don't know how I would have pulled through. I think it was because like this past year has been kind of learning this, this, this discipline and, and learning, you know, to, to be aware of situations and, and learning that I have some degree of agency. Like I have some control over events and I can't remember what I was listening to, but there was somebody was giving a, a talk and they were, they were, they were referencing, um, I think it was uh, Colonel Hackworth and he was giving an account. It was either uh, of his experience in Korea or in Vietnam. And it was just one of these situations where it was bad. Like everything was just, they were overwhelmed. They were just being overrun. Like the sense was like they were all going to, they were all going to die. And it was just this abysmal experience. And the way that he kind of got out of that was by identifying, like he, he could see all of these things that he had no control over, but he, he focused on the things that he could control. Um, and so that was kind of the, the moral of, of that story. And, and I just think for me, like that's, that was kind of the essence of this, this past Lent for me was like, I couldn't control that my mom had, you know, terminal cancer. I couldn't control the fact that, you know, I, I couldn't have parishioners like at mass or that, you know, I, I would only see like a couple of people throughout the course of, of a week. Like there were so many things that I, I couldn't control. I couldn't control the fact that I was being quarantined or that I had to stay in my house but I could find certain things that I, I could have control over. Like I could pray. 
I could get up in the morning. I could exercise. Like I could do these things. And, and if, I, if I did those, then I would have a sense of, of agency. Like I would find something that I could then build on and, 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 and move forward through. And so you know, most of – I looked at Lent and, and preaching. We were like live streaming all of these masses from um, you know, my church. And you know, that was just kind of one of my constant themes is you know, part of it is we have this belief – you know, that God uh, can transform, that God can use these, these, you know, awful situations or moments of crisis, to, and he can, he's not bound by that, and he can use those moments to, to reveal his glory. And the biggest difference is going to be is our perspective. Like, do we see these moments as, you know, do we just see the obstacles? Do we just see the, the problems? Or, or do we see the opportunities? Do we see the, the moments where we can cooperate with God's grace um, to let his light shine? In these moments of crisis, it's not so much about us rising to, to the occasion or rising to that level as it's allowing the grace of God to be revealed through us in, in that moment. And, and I think the challenge is, is like we, don't, we don't tend to be very good at that in the moment unless that is the way that we live our life all the time. Well, that, well Nathan, that's a pretty solid place for us to, uh, to land the ship on this. Do, do you mind real quick, giving us a blessing. And what will happen is I'll ask you to give us a blessing, and then Jason will jump in on the back end, tell a little bit about who we have, uh, who's coming up next week. But you know uh, our family loves you. We pray for you all the time. We're supportive of you. We're, we're big fans of Father Nathan. So we just ask you for a blessing uh, to all, the, all those listening to this call over the United States, uh, and then we'll hand right back off to Jason. So thank you, Father Nathan. The Lord be with you. With your Lord our God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have told us that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. Lord, on this, uh, in this Easter season, as we prepare for, for Pentecost, uh, we recall that your Son, Jesus, uh, did in fact lay down his life. And that, that gift of himself has become the source of eternal life for all of us who, who follow him. Lord, we pray in this this, this time of preparing for Pentecost for a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that you would fill our hearts with his Holy Spirit, uh, with the power and the grace to, to love like Jesus. Through the intercession of, of Father Capon, uh, through the intercession of, of a man who, who did that very thing, uh, we ask uh, for your, your grace and your blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Nathan, hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, great words of wisdom today. Um, I think all the men on the call and, and that listen to our podcast are just thoroughly going to enjoy and, and dig into these, this idea about what, what do the moments reveal about ourselves and the Lord. And um, you, you're certainly a man of my own heart. Uh, uh, about Face by Colonel Dave Hackworth is one of my favorite books. And uh, Thomas Merton is, is a giant in faith um, in my formation. And, and I think it's uh, appropriate here as we close, uh, since you brought him up, and in this time of uncertainty, I'll, I'll lay down one of my favorite quotes from Thoughts and Solitude that uh, Merton gave us. What is the use of praying if at the very moment of prayer we have so little confidence in God that we are busy planning our own kind of answer to our prayer? Um, so thanks again, Father, and a little bit of what's coming up at us here 
Um, later this week, we're going to be joined by Chris Stefanik. That episode is going to go straight to podcast. Um, on 6-3, we're going to have Bishop Joe Coffey from the United States military. Uh, he's Archbishop, or sorry, he's a auxiliary bishop of the U.S. military uh, services. And uh, the week after, on 6-10, we're going to have Dom Qualia, another great young speaker, um, on the Catholic circuit that uh, will be a, a great listen for all of us. All our podcasts are available on Apple. Uh, they're available on our uh, website at capensmen.com, as well as Spotify and other podcast uh, delivery systems out there. Check us out uh, at capensmen.com for not only these calls, but our other original content. Um, again, we want to just give thanks to Father Nathan, these great words of wisdom that he helped uh, fill us up with this morning. And uh, thank you all for joining us. We'll close, as Father Capon did with his men, with three Hail Marys. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And we'll also ask all of us to unite in prayer for Father Nathan's mom. Uh, and then also we need to mention uh, the passing of a great matriarch of a very important uh, Capons men family. Bet- Betty Delasega passed away on Memorial Day uh, just this past Monday at 96 years old. So our, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, the Delasega family, um, to-, to Joe, Mark, and Doug, and, and all of the Delasega family, all the grandchildren, and her devotion to Our Lady and the Rosary uh, may-, may her uh, soul be lifted into heaven and uh, we celebrate uh, a, a life that was fully alive and well lived and uh, give thanksgiving for uh, Betty Delasega. God bless you all and thanks again for joining us and we'll join again next week. Uh, God bless. Take care. We can sure to expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.